Hey, listener, are you happy with your current chicken wings? Do you wish you had something a little saucier? If you answered yes, then it might be time for you to break up with your old chicken wings and get a new honey. Lemon pepper wing from Popeye's. Share the wings with your friends so they can see it's time to move on, too. Head to Popeye's and get six-piece honey lemon pepper wings for $5.99. At participating U.S. restaurants, price may vary. This is the Busted Open Podcast. You can listen to the full show Monday through Saturday from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. Welcome to the Busted Open Podcast. This is Dave LaGreca. On today's episode, WWE Hall of Famer Bully Ray and I talk to Bobby Lashley, your United States champion, also an entrant into the 2021 Royal Rumble. Also, we get in deep about Matt Riddle. You're definitely going to want to catch that interview with Mr. Lashley. Also, we had a homework assignment for the nation, and that is to go back and watch the tables tag match from the 2000 Royal Rumble between the Hardys and the Dudleys. We talk about that as well right now on the Busted Open Podcast. Joining us right now, as promised, and again, exclusively on the WWE Network on Sunday, you'll be able to watch the Royal Rumble 2021, and somebody who's going to be a part of that Royal Rumble match. He's also your United States champion and definitely... One of the main eventers as part of the Hurt Business as well is our next guest, and that is Bobby Lashley. And, sir, thank you for the time this morning. Hey, my pleasure, man. And this is going to be very, very interesting come Sunday because you are the United States champion. You're in the Royal Rumble match and also, too, part of the Hurt Business. Now, since returning to the WWE, this does seem like one of those significant moments for you now being back with the company. Yeah, you know, absolutely, man. I've had my ups and downs since I've been back, and I can definitely say this is up. I like working with the guys that I'm working with. I mean, MVP, Sheldon, and Cedric, they're all real good friends. So uh, it feels good. It feels good, and I think we have a lot of momentum going in this weekend. Bobby, what's the biggest difference about being with the WWE now as compared to your first run with them? Oh, man. Um, <laughs> I think a lot of it's a locker room, of course. Um, and and I can say one part is, and I was telling the guys this the other day, you know, I think right now they focus a little bit more on the show, the show-show aspect of it versus the competition and the fight. And um, I know that when I ran, ran before, you know, I was having matches with JBL, Booker, uh, Mark Henry, uh, Benoit, all these different guys. And it was, it, was, it was a contest. It was a competition. It looked like uh, we were in there fighting. We were in there battling. And it was just a different style. Right now, I think there's a lot of focus on some of the other things, some of the theatrical parts of, of wrestling, which is, I mean, it's a good thing. Um, you got to change with the times. So you get a little bit of both. And I, and I think that's what we're doing with the Hurt Business. The Hurt Business, we're trying to bring back that old, rougher style, hurt you, beat you up style wrestling and, and mix it in with what they got going on now. Was it difficult for you to transition? You said, you know, now it's more entertaining. It's more of a show as compared to, <clears throat> excuse me, like the spirit of the fight. Was that diff- difficult for you to transition to when you came back? Yeah, it's still hard. It's still hard because I still want to beat people's ass, man. And I think that, um, like, going into the Royal Rumble, I think right now, for me, in my in my opinion, in my thought, is like really who in the company could beat me if we if we if we pulled the gloves off, we went in there, we just started swinging, throwing people over the fence. There ain't a my, there ain't a person in the company that can beat me. So I still have that mentality, and that's what I'm going in this weekend with that mentality. And um, it's hard because um, you you have to fight a little bit harder. Well, also you you look at this. You know, Bully just mentioned the spirit of the fight. Well, you know, this feud with Matt Riddle. Matt Riddle has an MMA background. I mean, Bully was just talking about you know last time we saw him when NXT was in the fight pit. So if you're looking for that competition, the spirit of the fight, I think Riddle is a good person for you to be in the ring with. <laughs> Yeah, um, to, to, to a certain extent. 
I can, I'm, I'm saying yes and no because I do like Riddle because because of that bike part. Um, damn. Yeah, I do like Riddle because of that fight aspect, but at the same time, um, he's a he's a he's a small guy, he's a little guy, and and he's more into the um, I don't want to say theatrical part of it, but he's he's more into the pro wrestling aspect instead of the fight instead of the fighting. So you bring a fighter against somebody that wants to do cool moves. Yeah, yeah, Bobby. Bobby, let's cut the crap. You don't like Matt Riddle, period. No, I didn't say that. (laughs) Bobby, Bobby, I know what I see. Bobby, I know what I see on my TV. You don't like Matt Riddle. (laughs) You're trying to get this sound bite. No, I'm really not. (laughs) I'm really not. I have respect for anybody who steps <laughs> into the cage, into the ring, and put on some gloves and went in there and fought. And that's what I have respect for. I like him. I like his character, and I think he's good for the show. I mean, he's good for this culture, for for the for the environment that we have right now. And I think he's, uh, you know, he's got that protein going and everything like that. But at the end of the day, reality sets in when you go against me. You know, we have all these different characters in WWE, but reality sets in when you go against me. And Bobby, talking about reality, the reality is you look phenomenal. I mean, you you, you have found the fountain of youth. Um, so impressive, whether you're in your gear, whether you're in a suit, you look badass, you look cool, you look tough. Um, what is your training like these days? Is it different than when you were 25 or 30 years old? Like, uh, how difficult is it to maintain, you know, your body and your, 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 your looks these days? Well, you know, I train, I train harder, I train smarter, not harder now. Um, and I break it up more. So, you know, I live, I live in a place in Colorado where, um, there's not very many people around me. So outside of my kids, I really don't do anything else. So, and my son's in the football, so we wake up in the morning. I always do something in the morning, and I do my 45 minutes in the morning. I still do, like, boxing. I still try to go and do some grappling, stuff like that. And then, uh, and then I do lifting. But my lifting is usually about 45 minutes to an hour each day. I, I, I train different, and, um, and I try to train smarter. I'm, I'm constantly doing recovery stuff. Denver recovery, chiropractor, massage, all these different things I have to do in order to keep my body together. But at the end of the day, I train, I train smarter, and, 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 and I'm really conscious of what I put in my body also. Like, I, I don't do any of the diet, intermittent fasting, or anything like that. I stay away from that. I try to eat healthy for the most part. Um, I'm not really a junk food kind of person. I'm not really big into sugar. So um, my whole life kind of revolves around working out. I mean, over the course of the day, I'm always in sweat, and I usually work out probably two, maybe three times a day, but I work out smarter and not longer in those period of times when I do work out. You know, Bully, when I when I look at the roster right now for the WWE, and, you know, I, I still want that fantasy matchup of Bobby Lashley in the ring with Brock Lesnar uh, for a heavyweight championship, but probably if you were to pick out somebody that would be the perfect opponent, for Bobby Lashley, it's probably somebody that's in the hurt business with Bobby Lashley, and that's Shelton Benjamin. <laughs> yeah, but there's not, there's not going to be any breaking up of the of the hurt business. I mean, I I, I love I love to work against Shelton because Shelton does have that similar style. You know, we both got that wrestling background, and Shelton's smooth, man. That's one reason why we wanted him in. He's smooth, and it's and, and it's it's what we've been talking about this whole time. We have myself, Shelton, and Cedric. Like all of us have a tremendous amount of potential to do something big in the company. We just need that opportunity. So collectively, we're kind of like forcing that opportunity. But uh, I, you know, I like the Brock matchup. I've heard that it's not happening um, several times, um, and I don't know why. Uh, whatever the case is, maybe he's not coming back. Maybe he has other other focuses in in the company. I don't know. I I, I like the matchup. You know, another person I, w- I would like to tangle back with is Braun. I mean, Braun's always a a huge deal, and he's one person that can kind of disrupt a little bit of stuff in the hurt business, and 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 I and I love fighting him in the first time, going to the LED board and all kinds of different things, and I think that's always a freak show when me and Brock go at it, when we or me and Braun go at it. But there's so many other guys in the company that I'm trying to pair up and I'm trying to match up and I'm trying to figure out who's going to work. So I'm open to all suggestions right now. Maybe maybe the Brock thing isn't going to happen because he's afraid of you. 
Could be. Could be. I'm ready. I'm here. Bobby, how come nobody smartened up Shelton that his mask was still on the other night? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? When he came out, <laughs> you know, the, the culture is it's a different culture right now. You know, mask on. Like, half the time, you don't know if you have the mask on, mask off. Uh, <laughs> when he went out there, you know, he, he actually cleared it up really well. And uh, he, he put a tweet out about it. You know, he said, you know, he, he keeps it on for the most part because he wants to protect the people around us, you know. So that's what he did. When he walked out, I didn't even know he had it <laughs> because it's, it's, it's so common that if you see somebody without a mask, it's almost like, you don't have a mask on. So it's so, it's, it's so common that people have the mask on. I may have been talking to him right before walking out. I don't remember because we're always just running around doing something, just jaw and joking around and stuff. And then when the music hit, we all went out. Nobody thought about it. Luckily, he thought about it enough time to pull it off before, before he went all the way down to the ring. You know, Bobby, obviously, Sunday, the Royal Rumble on the WWE Network. You're an entrant in this year's men's Royal Rumble match. Is there pressure going in? Because, you know, even going back to last year, and obviously this year is completely different. Last year in front of over 40,000 fans, this year in the Thunderdome. But is there ever any pressure, like, you got to have that big moment in a, in, in, a, in a match, in a card, like the Royal Rumble? I think, I think right now it is. I think right now it is because we're on the go-home. We're on the go-home to Mania. So everybody wants to be seen. Everybody wants to do something spectacular. Everybody wants to get their name out there. Everybody wants to get their face out there. Everybody wants to get the buzz. So, of course, you know, last year there were some people that got their name, made their name just for their entrance in, in, the, in the Rumble. So, of course, this year, you know, either you want to do something spectacular at the Rumble, win the Rumble, or just set yourself up with some type of feud lean into mania. So, of course, there's a lot of, lot of pressure. But um, you know what? If the Hurt business did it, all four of us are in it. Man, we have a damn good chance of winning that damn thing. All right, last question from me. If you were to win the Royal Rumble on Sunday and had your choice of, you know, Drew McIntyre or Roman Reigns to face at WrestleMania, who would you choose and why? Damn. Um, that is, that's a hard one. I mean, because you can't get any, I mean, Roman's, Roman's at the, at the top of the pile, he's at the he, he's he's the guy. But at the same time, Drew is in a role too, so you can't really go wrong with either one of them. I like to fight with Drew. I like the notoriety with Roman. I like to fight with either one of them. That's a toss up. I mean, whoever wins that, that's a that's a hard decision to make because either way, you're going to have a great match, a lot of a lot of pub with it, and I mean, it's it's going to be what you need. So I don't even know who I would pick. All right, well, I'm looking forward to what's taking place on Sunday. Again, the 2021 WWE Royal Rumble on the WWE Network. Bobby, always a pleasure having you on the show, and thanks so much, as always, for the time. Thank you, man. I appreciate you. Take care, Bobby. All right, Bobby Lashley joining us here on Busted Open. And uh, this is going to be an interesting Royal Rumble, Bully, when you look at it. And, you know, he mentioned Brock Lesnar. Maybe, maybe we do see Brock Lesnar come back at the Royal Rumble. Interesting, though, that he said, like, it's not in the cards for me to face him, but stranger things have happened in the WWE. Brock is one of the smartest businessmen that has ever stepped foot in the wrestling business. Uh, the number one thing to get Brock back in the ring is going to have to be the business of business, meaning dollars and cents. The pay has to be right. And the story has to be right. The number one story I see right now that would make for what to me is incredible storytelling in the WWE would be Brock Lesnar coming back to the Royal Rumble, winning the Royal Rumble, and challenging Roman Reigns. Now, listen, people, I'm not suggesting that Brock be the one to win the Rumble because I all know you want Ali to win or you want one of your other favorites to win. I'm just giving an example that if Brock were to come back and win the Rumble, I want to see Brock versus Roman because Brock and Roman with Heyman right in the middle becomes extremely interesting storytelling. And to be able to run with that, 
that with the dissension, with Heyman have to play each side, which Heyman is notorious for. Heyman in Brock's ear, Heyman in Roman's ear. Whose side will Heyman be on? Is Heyman going to screw over one? Is he going to screw over both? Is he with the beast? Is he with the high chief? That's just great stuff right there. That's if Brock were to come back. Hey, everyone. This is Nicole Auerbach, and I want to invite you inside the Coaches Clubhouse, a brand new podcast from SiriusXM that examines what drives coaches on and off the sidelines. We talk to coaches from all different sports and all walks of life about their passion for the profession, their mentors, philosophies, and stories, and also what they care about when they're outside the spotlight. We'll give you a unique perspective on some of the greats in their profession, from Olympic coaches to Super Bowl champions and everyone in between. New episodes out every Wednesday on the SiriusXM app, Pandora, and Apple Podcasts. Back here on Busted Open, Dave LeGrand got ball right. And then we gave the homework assignment to the nation yesterday, the 2000 Royal Rumble. And, of course, the tables tag match between the Dudleys and the Hardys. And we went back and watched it. And it was the first time I had watched it in quite some time. Bully, I can't believe watching it now how quick that match went. I th- that match was only about 10 minutes long, but... Boy, you packed a lot of action into that 10 minutes. Holy shit. Well, it was supposed to be 15 minutes. And uh, I think Matt Hardy had tweeted the other day um, clips of the match and highlights from the match, which I had shared. And I have very little recollection of putting that match together or what the day was like. Unfortunately, my brains have been scrambled. Um, Thanks to Chris Jericho. Um so I don't remember our time getting cut, but I do trust Matt's uh, recollection of the day. And when I watch the match back, I can tell that that is a 15-minute match, not a 10-minute match. And that we did decide late that day that we're not cutting anything out of the match. We're just going to buzzsaw through the match. So when, I'm, when I know that Matt said we're going to buzzsaw through the match, I'm immediately thinking to myself... I know how violent the match was, especially with the brutal chair shots to the head. I wonder if we registered and sold them accordingly. Because now when you clip off five minutes, that's an eternity in wrestling. It is. That, that's a lot of time. So if you're, if you're going to fit a 15-minute match into 10 minutes, some of those things are going to be sacrificed. And I don't want to sacrifice selling, and I don't want to sa- sacrifice registering. So... um Interesting to watch this back. It was a whirlwind of a match uh, done in just over 10 minutes. You want my opinion? You want to give your opinion? You want to take the nation first? What do you well, want to do? Well, we're going to get to we're going to get to the nation at the top of the hour at 10 a.m. We're going to get right to the nation and we're going to take calls. And we're just going we're steamrolling through the calls starting at 10 o'clock. But I do want to get. The, the take of everybody on the show up until why don't we do you first you right. said you hadn't seen it in a while i hadn't seen it in a while don't sugarcoat anything i'm not okay you're know, watching it i i couldn't believe how quickly that match went by like and you just said it and you just explained it and the fact is that matt going back to what matt said that was a 15 minute match that was cut down to 10 minutes and like you just said, we weren't sacrificing anything that we wanted to do in that match, even though it was only 10 minutes. It, watching back, you can tell that. It just goes by so fast like a blur that there were so many memorable things in that match that I forgot about up until the end. Obviously, everybody remembers the swanton of Jeff off the balcony. But like so many things happen because it goes by so fast. It it. It's crazy how quickly, and I'm not going to say you don't sell because obviously you do sell, but probably my knock on that match now watching back at it is that it would have been much better if there was some pacing involved where, hey, something significant just happened. Let's keep on there. Like Ed was talking about, I think Ed mentioned it during the break, like, like the the head, the chair shot, you know, the chair shot to the head that follows up to the table just being dropped on somebody. Like those things need to be probably registered a little bit more instead of just blown through. Like it seemed like that was happening in that match. Uh, one of the things that I had noticed was the crowd and how they reacted. 
obviously not having much of a recollection of the night. I'm not going to remember how the crowd acted. I remember that they loved it. But listening to the crowd last night, how they weren't prepared for a match like that. This is the first time the WWE had ever gotten something like that from these two basically brand new teams in in the company. Um, They had gotten the ladder match between Edge and Christian and the Hardys a couple of months earlier, but the WWE universe, uh, WWF at the time, where, you know, they knew about ladder matches. There's been a couple already. Nah, I don't believe there'd been a tables match yet. If you listen to the way the crowd wants to react to certain things, they come up for these for these spots, for these moments, but the minute they come up, they get shut right down because something else is happening. The match did not have a chance to breathe. The match, when, like I said, when I watch it back, I can tell that that's a 15-minute match because that extra five minutes would have been put into selling and registering. Yeah, maybe peppering a little bit of offense in here and there. But if we could have sold more during the match, that would have been great. I watched, I mean, if you watch after the match, me and Devon stay completely down after that match is over so we can continue to sell the table bumps the way they should be sold. Um, I'll stop there. Keep going. No, and and, because I was just going to follow up with what you just said. There was a lot of holy shit and this is awesome chance that immediately died as soon as it started because you went on to the like you, you know you didn't have that like time to let it breathe a little bit well there were no this is awesome chance because this is awesome chance started in tna and tna wasn't around in 2000 <laughs> i could have sworn i heard of this is awesome chance, <laughs> but i could be completely wrong but there were some because because you're right it didn't have time to register like you, you, you made just a great point. It went to an all-time high and then had to quickly come down because it was on to the next thing. That being said, um, I know for you as a, as a as a longtime wrestling fan to go back and watch that match, Howard Finkel with the with the ring announcements and knowing that Howard Finkel's no longer with us, taking place at Madison Square Garden, a sold-out Madison Square Garden, especially right now where we're not getting sold out anything. Knowing how how hot a New York crowd can be and experiencing it in that match, you get it better than anything in that match as well. And also, Bully, your art of getting under people's skin. Right off the bat, you go in there, you take the microphone, and here you are, even though it's the Attitude Era and even though it's the WWF at that time where they could take certain liberties. This isn't ECW in 1990, you know, 1996. So it's like, all right, it's how is bully going to get? Cause I don't, I didn't remember how is bully going to get this crowd that wants to like love everything. How is bully going to get this crowd to hate him? And, and for those who don't remember you, you throw out the John rocker, John rocker was right. This city is terrible. And you brought up John Rocker, who made some very controversial comments at that time about New York City, bringing his name up immediately. As you said, John Rocker, everybody started to boo you because that crowd wanted to cheer. They knew the car crash that was about to happen. They just wanted to see that car crash. You did a wonderful job. Not blowing smoke up your ass, but you did a wonderful job of getting that 20,000 fans to hate you right off before the match even started. And uh, I do remember a little snippet of the day of telling the creative, it might have even been Russo at the time, uh, maybe Ed Ferrara telling them, listen, we're going to have to do something here. This is New York. This is, you know, the backyard of ECW. Uh, We're probably not going to get the, the, you know, the reaction that, you you know, you want us to get. So let's go out there and say something. I think we all came up with that John Rocker stuff. Um, It it, it worked. It's at the table. I I, watching the match back. I was cringing right off the back bat from the stupid stuttering stuff. I can't (laughs) believe I was still stuttering. You stuttering prick. Yeah. And then how about not 
performing to the hard camera. You stupid greenhorn. <laughs> Having your backs to the hard camera. We were talking to the entranceway as if the Hardy Boys were peeking out. We're talking to them. No, you young boy morons. Turn around and talk into the hard camera. Hey, everyone. This is Lisa Ann, and I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, The Lisa Ann Experience. This is my chance to share with you my experiences, past and present, including how I went from living in the fantasy world of adult films to talking fantasy sports on Sirius XM. Each week, I'll introduce you to some of the people I've met on my journey and invite friends on to help me read through the endless ridiculousness that lands in my inbox. New episodes are available every Wednesday on the Sirius XM app and Apple Podcasts. All right, let's go to DJ in Atlanta. All right, DJ. Give us your homework assignment. Hand it in. Good morning, guys. Can you hear me? We can hear you, DJ. That match was awesome, man. Let me tell you something. Uh, I know it was a WWF match, but it had an ECW feel. Man, that match was intense. And Bully Ray, those chair, that first chair shot you took from Jeff Hardy, I mean, you took it about as flush as flush can get. Now I know in 2021, Vince is probably lose his mind seeing a talent take a chair shot like that, man. Whoa. But it was awesome. I have nothing really critical to say about it. Uh, maybe the fact that it was to my understanding that if you get eliminated, then you're out of the match. Maybe. So the fact that you got you got eliminated first, Billy, but you stay in the match and still continue to put on offense from the Hardys. That was a little bit confusing in a way, but but that was pretty much the only critical thing I had to say about that match. All right, DJ, you, have a, you bring up a good point. And thanks for the phone call. Because, you know, I remember watching it for the first time. And, you know, it's 2000, so I was a much younger man, and I may have had a couple of daddy sodas in me at the Rumble that year. And there was a lot of rules when it came to that tables tag match because it had to go, it had to be two consecutive going through the table consecutively and offensively because you had the part where, you know, Matt fell through the, through the table, but it wasn't on an offensive move. And then, and then, you know, again, somebody else could get eliminated and it kind of, it kind of is a restart because it had to be consecutively through the table. So there was probably a little bit of rules that, you know, might have been hard to follow, especially for the live crowd. But I, I don't think that really mattered at the end of the day. The the drawback with an, a traditional elimination, you get eliminated, you leave the ringside yeah. area, you're done. If you do that, you leave the match down to a basic two-on-one. The idea is, um, like, Bubba gets eliminated first, and he's supposed to stay down and sell for a significant amount of time where Matt and Jeff do get a significant upper hand on Devon where it looks like they're going to be able to take advantage of the numbers game. But then at the last second, after Bubba has sold for uh, an appropriate amount of time, he's able to come back and just at the last second stop the Hardys from putting Devon through a table. That's why you want to leave the other guy out there. If not, then the other team kind of looks weak, especially the young up-and-comer babyface team who would not have been able to put Devon through a table. So that's why you go with that psychology. And the rules of the original table match I like because it should be both guys have to go through a table I think I think Fink God rest his soul um worded it in a way that might have been confusing it didn't have to be consecutive it didn't have to be bang bang all that had to happen was both Hardys needed to go through a table and both Dudleys needed to go through a table and that's how you would have a winner yeah, and, and maybe is it, and that wasn't that, that definitely wasn't explained that way. Now, whether it was for Fink or even Jr. and Jerry Lawler on commentary, they they went with that too. So it made it a little bit more confusing. But like again, and 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 that you went through a table pretty early on in the match. It seemed like it was early on in the match. Where I figure if you had more time, it probably would have been spread out. Again, all this happened in ten minutes, so there was a lot going on. In a very, very short span. All right, let's go back out to the nation. Let's go out to, to Lindsay in New Jersey. All right, Lindsay, hand in your homework assignment. <laughs> What's up, guys? Uh, great assignment. I loved the match right from the get-go, right from when the Dudleys came out and insulted the crowd. Uh, that was great. I liked the concept of the match, too. I think you're right, Bully. Like the Using the word consecutive probably confused people a little bit because you didn't have to go through 
tables, you know, back to back. But I got the gist of it that, you know, it had to be offensive moves and both uh, opponents had to go through the table. Um, man, so many chair shots in that yeah. match. That that was that must have been brutal. Um, I loved Jeff's, like, first spot where he's running off the apron and he bully, you, like, kind of throw the table at him and he runs right into it. Um, yeah. That was great. I thought, and honestly, I promise I'm not blowing smoke up your ass fully, but the, I thought you did the best job of selling. Like, there were some subtle things you did. Like, you would be lying on a table, and you could see your your days, and you're, like, trying to muster the energy to sit up, but you, you just can't quite do it. Because a lot of times I feel like in today's – you see guys just sitting there, like, waiting to take a move. Like, you, you know they're just laying there because they know a move is coming. It's like, you know – I liked seeing that you were trying to at least show the effort of trying to get up. I also loved when you guys put Matt through the table uh, and the ring went off the steel steps and you got up and kind of threw your hands in the air like, yeah, I'm awesome. And then you fell right back over because you were so tired. <laughs> Stuff like that is what, what stands out to me. Um, but, oh, my God, that that last you know bump that you took going backwards off the balcony into the table is like, I know you said you don't really remember a lot, but that must have been so scary going backwards, basically yeah. flying on through tables on the ground. Like, how do you prepare yourself for something like that? <laughs> well, you don't. And if you notice, uh, once I get hit with that second chair shot, I kind of peek behind me. I've never been good at uh, things happening behind my back. And when you take that nesty plunge the way I did, it's almost impossible to not kind of peek just to make sure you're going, you know, through all the tables. What I wanted to do, and this went back to my childhood, Dave, because, you know, at 12 years old, I'm sitting in the front row watching Jimmy Superfly Snooker stand on top of a steel cage in Madison Square Garden and giving, you know, the magnificent Morocco the Superfly splash uh, and the place going crazy. I wanted to create my own moment that would live on forever. I wanted to stand on top of the garden. And I, you know, I was able to accomplish that. I got my moment where I got, and that's another, another moment that should have been uh, allowed to breathe. Cause when I stand there and I put my hands in the air, you hear the garden start to boil, but Jeff hits me with that nut shot so quick that that boil stops. Then we get the two chair shots and the nasty plunge. And you can hear the reaction of the garden. They're not used to seeing stuff like this yet. Yeah, in ECW, it happened on a nightly basis, but ECW is not hitting the same amount of eyes as the WWF yeah. was at the time. So the garden is just kind of, oh my God, what did we just see? And then as quick as the bump through the four tables happens and you feel the people want to boil again, Matt hits Steve on with a chair. So it's as if, it's as if we cut off our own reactions, but we kind of felt forced to because of the time getting cut, and we all had agreed to buzz through it. You can't have a match like that in just 10 minutes. It's, impo it's, impo it's impossible. It's impossible because you need, you need time to breathe. You need time to register things. And, that again, that was my only knock in that match. And, again, the, you know, first of all, kudos, and we talk about this as well, WWE production, the camera angles uh, of the match, uh, incredible, are incredible in that match, Bully. My favorite part of the match, you just mentioned camera angles. When, when after Bubba got eliminated, the Hardys set up a table, and the table was stretched from the ringside apron, I believe, to the steps. And they put Devon on top. And Matt went to go drop the leg from the top rope to the floor. Devon rolls out of the way and Matt crashes and burns through the table. But in rolling out of the way, Devon finds himself laid out on another table. And then out of nowhere, the cameraman did not catch this until the last second. Out of nowhere, here comes Jeff Hardy diving through the ropes. A real suicide dive. The way a suicide dive is meant to be done. And Devon rolls out of the way and Jeff crashes through that table. And if you look at the cameraman's reaction, they were not expecting that at all. So you got a crash, crash, as if it happened 
completely organically because you know wwe uh production is so good that they're going to make sure we get this shot and then we're going to make sure that we get this shot and everything is going to look pretty everything is not supposed to look pretty all the time and that didn't look pretty and i think that was the (laughs) in not looking pretty was the beauty of the spot yeah and then and then you get the, the the one camera angle that obviously probably was completely uh diagrammed and that's the shot uh, behind Jeff Hardy before the Swanton, like seeing him like on that balcony from from behind with the twenty thousand fans, you know that whole aura of that thing. I mean that that's a shot that will that will live forever. Absolutely, unbelievable. I, 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 and that's what we were trying to accomplish. We were trying to create moments that would live forever. And you've been involved in so many matches that are talked about. Where do you put that match as far as, like, you know, the TLC matches? Like, where do you put that match from 2000 on your list? And and is it a match that is brought up a lot from fans that see you? Um, It's a very important match for me and Devon in the WWE because it's the first match that puts us on the map. Uh, I do remember... After the match was over last night and watching it back, I said to myself, when I saw me and Devon grab each other's hands on the floor, despite the fact that we had just been in a war and that we both went through all those tables, we were able to still grab each other's hands. The two brothers, despite the fact that they've been through hell and back, were still able to hold each other's hands. And and I said to myself, bang, that is a getting over moment. When you see that, you realize that these two guys been through a war, but they're still together. So I looked at that match very much in a case of the Hardys went over, the Dudleys got over, but more importantly, everybody in that match got over. And that's the significant for us, because once that match happens, the Dudleys are on the map in the WWF. The Hardys are on the map in the WWF. Edge and Christian are, are, are right there behind us because they had just had the ladder match with the Hardys. And now WWE creative realizes like, like, wow, the Hardys and Edge and Christian had this ladder match and the Hardys and the Dudleys had this tables match. What if we were to throw all these teams together? And that's how you get WrestleMania 2000 with the first ever triangle ladder match. Um, is that your favorite match that you were a part of? No, no. I, I, it, it's hard to take away from TLC2 in the Astrodome. Yeah. First of all, it's in the Astrodome, which might not seem like a big deal today because we have all these extravagant stadium, Texas Stadium and SoFi and your sister's ass, but the Astrodome is the Astrodome. You know, the eight, it was it was one of the wonders of the world, right? The eighth wonder of the world. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Well, I, 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 I yeah, it, it was, you know, title seventh wonder way, of yeah. the world, whatever, you know, it was. So it's a big deal. As a kid, I always loved the scene from the Bad News Bears. Yeah. Let them where, play. You know, let them play. <laughs> let them play. So I was marking out for being in the Astrodome, but we hadn't. We we knew that what we accomplished with the first triangle ladder match. We knew what we were able to accomplish with TLC one. Now we're like, holy shit! What are we gonna do? How are we gonna do it? How do we make more sense of it? How do we create bigger moments? Now we're gonna involve Lita and Spike and Rhino, and that's probably the crowning achievement because we had all sorts of pressure on us, many guns to our head, and we even got cut in that match with time. Crazy, crazy. And when you talk about moments that are gonna live forever, uh, yeah, I understand Mick Foley going off the top of the ca- of the Hell in a Cell and and crashing through a table it, it is a moment. But you could see, we've seen guys take bumps from high structures through a table or to the floor. It's we've kind of seen that b- before. We have never seen a man swinging from the middle of the ring and another man spearing him from the top of a 15 foot ladder perfectly perfectly 
that is a wrestle that could be the wrestlemania moment to me in my eyes because it's unlike any other wrestlemania moment you'll ever see yeah it sounds like uh, another show in the works for us here on busted open let's go out to derek in delaware derek hand in your homework assignment buddy What's going on, Dave? Bully. Well, I had the honor and the privilege of actually being at that Royal Rumble in 2000. I was in Section 93 at Madison Square Garden. So right up, and I tweeted about it on Saturday because Saturday was the 21st anniversary of it. So I saw it on Saturday, and I watched the entire pay per view. First and foremost, the tables matches following Taz, you know, Taz's debut of you know versus Kurt Angle, and that and the crowd, we were hot, you know, from that match. And then going into a tables match, I'm like, oh, here we go. And it was just all guns and blazing from, from opening bell to closing bell. Obviously, Bubba cutting that promo about John Rocker, and was John Rocker was probably the most hated man in the New York area at that time because of that article he did in um, Sports Illustrated talking about, you know, New York, how much he hated it. And then that's how the, the crowd turned on the Dudleys. And just from, open, from all the things that was going on in the match, I separated myself from – 22-year-old Derek, a 21-year-old Derek at the time, and just watching it as a, as a fan of 2021. And obviously the, the, the chair shots and things, like, okay, that, that probably won't fly today. But all in all, the continuity between the Dudleys and the Hardys stand the test of time. There was Everyone knew their role in the match. Everyone was doing what they were supposed to do. And like Bubba always says, it's, sometimes it's not about going over, it's about getting over. That's pro wrestling one-on-one. So I was proud to have been a part as a fan of of witnessing the evolution of the tables match, which turns into the triangle ladder match at WrestleMania, thus turning into TLC one, TLC two, and then now that's known as a pay per view now. And that iconic shot of Jeff Hardy on that balcony, I have ingrained in my mind today of him about to do that Swanton on, on um on Devon. Incredible match. It was an honor and a privilege, like I said, to have been there as a fan to watch you bully. And, you know, congrats on a, on a wonderful career that you've had in pro wrestling. And I'm so happy to be a part of the Busted Open Nation. Proud member, guys. And thank you, oh, for, thank you, for you Derek. Thank you, buddy. And, and it's a snapshot that we may never get again to bully because not only for that type of a match, but so much has changed because Madison Square Garden was always the flagship arena for the WWE that's changed. Like now it's Barclays. So, you know, the summer slams and the rumbles, whenever they're in the New York area, they're at Barclays. And, you know, it's, it's, that was at a time. It's never going to be that way, at least for the WWE at the garden bully. And the garden is the Mecca. And I don't know if the garden has lost its juice or its steam over the years. Maybe the WWE has something to do with that because they have chose to go to the Barclays. And I got to tell you, Dave, me and Devon have gotten bigger reactions in the Barclays than we have in the garden. The sound in the Barclays is better than it is in the Garden, or at least that's the way it sounds to me. And you know this, Dave, because you've been to plenty of shows at the Garden, including the WWE holiday shows right around Christmas, right? Yep, yeah. Sometimes that crowd can be a little meh, right? Yeah, I think since they've redone the Garden, it's gotten extremely corporate, and it's it's not what... It used to be. And you mentioned the holiday shows. That's, you know, that's for families. I get it. It's more of like, you know, kids and things like that. Um, but, but it is, that's why I say that match in 2000 was a snapshot that we're probably not going to get. Probably the closest thing we was probably when Ring of Honor and New Japan was at the Garden more than when the WWE comes to Garden. And their and their base in New York City is now at the Barclays. It's not the Garden. The Garden still has that mystique, but the Garden has changed so much even since 21 years ago. It's not it's not the same structure that it once was 21 years ago. It's a colder version. of Yes, very cold, very cold. Although I don't feel the same way about going to see concerts there. Uh, I disagree. I feel the well. Same you sit way. in the 400 section. <laughs> yeah. Well. Yeah. No. 
I don't have I don't have Hall of Fame money. Hey everyone, this is former NFL linebacker and current SiriusXM NFL radio host Kirk Morrison, and I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, Total Coverage. Each week, I'll be joined by some of the greatest minds in the game as we explore the hows and the whys behind the week's biggest results. Whether we're breaking down player techniques, game plans, or coaching philosophies, we'll explain the details that define our favorite performances. New episodes will be available every Tuesday on the SiriusXM app, Pandora, and Apple Podcasts. What did you think of the homework assignment from last night? So I, when I watch old wrestling, when we have these assignments and we have to watch specific things, I try to go into it without looking up why these people are feuding or the story behind it. Cause I want to go in thinking like, can I tell who's good and who's bad just by the reactions and how they carry themselves. It's pretty easy right off the bat to be like, okay, you're supposed to hate the Dudleys. You know, bully gets on the mic, rips, you know, the front rips, New York city, whatever. And then the reaction that the Hardys get, you're like, Oh my God, you should be loving these guys. They pop for them. You know what I mean? It's huge. So I like when I don't need to know the history to know that there's heat between these two and who's loved and who's hated. That to me already starts it off where I'm like, okay, now I know where this is going and that's how it should be. And I don't think it's really like that anymore because there's that gray area. And if I was watching with fresher eyes and I wasn't watching every single week, I think as a newer fan, I'd be like, all right, wait, so, but they're cheering for him, but like, isn't he bad? Like, so I enjoy the simplicity of that. I think that's what's like a beautiful thing that is a little bit lost today. That was the first thing I noticed. Well, wait, wait, before you get to the second thing, because what you just said is extremely significant. And it's and I'm glad we went to, you know, it's, it's good, Bully, to kind of get that, you know, that virgin's perspective of what happened because she's so new. That what? Like the virgin's perspective of what happened. Who? Who? Gabby. I mean, she's new to pro wrestling, so this is like a different perspective than what you're... Don't get caught up on the words. Go with me on this one. But like, but Gabby's saying that it's so true. First of all, you know who the heels are and you know who the baby faces are. She mentioned it like you making the comments about John Rocker, but not just that. You did a great job after that, following up on talking about your opponents, the Hardys making sure you brought that into the equation as well. But there are so many times in pro wrestling right now, we really don't know. You, you, know, you could have a new fan sitting on the couch watching with you, and by the entrances, you really don't know who you're supposed to cheer for and who you're supposed to boo. You knew it in that match. So, Gabby, 100%. I love that perspective. What else did you want to say? So the one thing I enjoyed probably the most is the fact of so let me just paint the picture when you guys come on the show and you watch a good wrestling match i don't know why you're like it's a good match if i can't invest in the characters i'm not so high up on the moves and like oh he hit that perfectly i don't know the tech things of why that was a good you know arm like i don't know any of that stuff so i watch a match and i'm either invested or i'm not as much as these people want to get into, they didn't hit that right or his knee wasn't down. Like, I'm not caught up on that, as I'm sure a lot of fans aren't. So sometimes I do get bored. I'm watching a match of two people in a ring. It could be a great match. Technicality-wise, they could be phenomenal wrestlers, which they are. But I get a little bored because it's in the ring. And it's just, you know, kind of stuff I've seen before and it is what it is. And it goes on and it's probably a solid match. Not to me. When I watched that match last night, the use of the atmosphere and the different parts of the ring, outside the ring, in the crowd, you know, they took the thing that you step on and they threw it in the middle of the ring to make that. There was different things happening. So I didn't really have a chance to get bored on watching one moment. And I was like, okay, this is happening over here, but what's happening over there? You know, I had to pay attention. It forced me to pay attention because I was like, I don't want to miss something from happening. I haven't really watched a match in a while present day where I was like, oh, if I change the channel and come back to it, they're going to be in the same spot, kind of just still going. 
this was like if I changed channel and came back, they they were in the crowd. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. They're outside the ring. It's that's you're not taking a commercial break in the middle of a match because everybody's right. outside the ring and you know, like for the next three minutes, you know, you can go and continue that match. You're hundred percent right. And what Gabby right. said that's significant too, Bully, is the fact that not just about the action, but it, a lot of times now in 2021, we get caught up with the Meltzer, uh, pow, you know, the the ratings in this five-star, six-star, seven-star matches, these great technical masterpieces. And obviously there's a place for that. But some of the most significant matches in pro wrestling history, you know, Hogan and Andre or Hogan Sheik or some of the – I mean, if we watched that now, we would shit on it. But back then, because you were so invested in the characters and the personality and the story leading into that match, those things didn't really matter because it's just like in sports. Do you want this like technical, you know, pitching masterpiece or do you want a slugfest where it's two rivals going head to head with one another? So it's a really great perspective by Gabby Bully on both parts. And I, and I do appreciate those perspectives. The one that really resonated with me is the first one she said, where she has no clue who the Hardys and the Dudleys are. This is the first time she's really seeing them uh, match up with one another. And she knew right off the bat exactly who the Dudleys were, the bad guys, and exactly who the Hardys were, the good guys. And one of the things that I teach our students at the Team 3D Academy is every time you go out there, assume nobody knows you. Tell them who you are the minute you come through the curtain. And I don't mean tell them who you are on the microphone. Tell them who you are by your facials, your mannerisms, the way you walk, your demeanor. From the minute you're in front of that crowd, they should know I'm supposed to love this guy or I'm supposed to hate this guy. And when you have love and hate meet each other head on, you kind of get the beauty of what we were able to create in that match. Hey, everybody, this is Fran Freshella, host of the podcast World of Basketball. The game of basketball has truly become a global game. Markovic buys it into Mickey, and somehow it goes in. Each week, I talk with the players, coaches, and executives who have led the way in growing the game of basketball around the world. Real Madrid have stolen victory from the jaws of defeat. Episodes are available every Thursday on the Sirius XM app, Pandora, and Apple Podcasts. Yeah, and I didn't even remember in that match that the Hardys had pulled out a ladder. Yeah. So if you really want to, you know, th- th- that 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 tables match was the first time we ever saw a table, a ladder, and a chair using the ring. And you're know, going back and watching those chair shots, man. They are pretty brutal. But back then, you know, that was, that was the deal. That was the red badge of courage. And I know that there's a lot of talk about, you know, CTE and concussions with chair shots to the head. Um, I, I'm proud and blessed to have never endured any of that. Um, I have a completely different take on stuff like that, Dave, that, you know, based on the science of our bodies. You know, the most fragile part of our body is the brain. And the hardest part of our body is the skull, And that skull is there to protect the brain. So when you get hit with an object like that chair, I mean, that chair is going to fold a little bit, you know? So when you get hit straight in the head with that chair, your skull is protecting your brain. I've probably, I don't think I've ever gotten a concussion from a chair shot. Wow. And I've had eight of them. almost all of my of my concussions have come from bumps that were so um brutal that i wasn't able to tuck my chin properly and my head just bounced off the mat whether that was forwards or backwards or or taking a or just taking a bump you know taking a big bump on the floor and having your head smack off the concrete Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, watching those chair shots are tough. It's it's like right up there with the you know the Rock McFoley I quit match. Like watching the continuous chair shots are tough. But back then, especially coming off of like ECW and things like that, it was like you said for for you as a wrestler, you know that red badge of courage. But let's get back to the nation because I really we're getting some strong takes uh, from the nation. Let's go. Let's go to Andre in Albany. Andre, hand in your homework assignment, buddy. 
Yeah, awesome, awesome match, awesome match. Um, I definitely, definitely loved this assignment and brought me back. Um, I was in college during that time, and I remember watching it, and um, I just remember the psychology. Uh, like Gabby said, it was very easy to know who to love and who to hate. Uh, one of the things that I also took away from it, too, is the seriousness of the match and also what made sense and what did not make sense. So I remembered, and I was watching the match, and I, I completely forgot that um, I completely forgot that the Hardy Boys was managed by Terry. And the fact that the Hardy Boys told Terry to stay back in the match definitely made sense because it made no sense whatsoever for her to be in the match at all. So, and it also brought the severity and the seriousness of that match. Similarly to how like the how like the Triple H later on in the match, the Triple H McFoley match, Stephanie was taken in the back as well. But that was something else I took from that match as well, where today I don't think they paid too much attention to those details as they did back then. That was something that I definitely took away. And I definitely loved the spot at the end with the uh with the Dudley boys holding holding their hands together. I noticed that as well. And I think at that point at that point, um, that point in that match, I guess, I always loved the heart of the Dudley boys, but at that point, I felt like um, they were definitely faced. They, they were going to be turning into faces soon. Well, when you have a match like that, you get a lot of respect from the audience, and you definitely had the respect of that New York audience, Bully. And when you talk about Terry's importance in that match, she wasn't out there, but the way the Dudleys got their revenge on the Hardys was the very next night, uh, I believe in Philadelphia on Monday Night Raw, that's when we put Terry Runnels through a table, and that, and she was the first woman that we ever put through a table. And Vince, Vince was adamant. He was like, damn it. We got to get them to hate you. We got to get them to hate you. And I'm like, what are you going to do? What are we going to do? Well, you're going to put Terry through a table. And I'm like, in Philly? And he's like, yeah. I'm like, it ain't going to work. (laughs) You're going to put a woman through a table. Why wouldn't they hate you? Well. It's Philly. Uh, uh, Boss, uh, I don't think you understand the dynamic of Philadelphia. (laughs) Do you feel like when you look at Philadelphia, because Tommy always says, you know, he was born in New York, but kind of like. It's Philadelphia where he really feels at home. Do you have that special connection with Philly? Oh, absolutely. You, you don't. You can't um, make your. You know. You, you can't begin your career in a shitty bingo hall on the corner of Swanson and Rittner in South Philly and not feel some kind of closeness and connection. That will always be. Uh, you know, I'm a New Yorker. You know, uh, but when it comes to pro wrestling, Philly will always be my first home. My favorite place to perform was in Queens at the Elks Lodge, but the ECW arena will always be my first home. It's nothing for me, me or Tommy or Sandman or any of these guys to walk the streets of South Philly and just be like, hey, what's up? Kind of like Rocky Balboa when he went back home. That's kind of how it is for ECW guys when you walk the streets of South Philly. And you know what, like going to, you know, now the 2300 arena, like obviously that that place has been redone like a hundred times since, you know, since the mid to late 90s. But there's just something about that South Philly area that really hasn't changed at all. Like I still get that feeling when, you know, I I went there, you know, before everything with the pandemic, when I when you guys had me as a, a, a special guest referee. Go driving to that. It felt like the the first time I drove there in like '96. Like you, right, am I right? You still kind of get that those same feelings, and and things kind of look the same. You can't say that about a lot of different areas. Uh, performing at the ECW Arena for me to this day, when I when I'm driving there, reminds me as a kid when my dad would take me to like the Ridgewood Grove Arena, or to what was the what, in Kew Gardens? What was the name of the building? Um, what was that? The something Gardens. Wasn't it the? You, you're no help right now. You're I'm the a worst. Jersey guy. D- Dreamer would know, but <laughs> there were some smaller venues in New York that you'd see uh, wrestling at, and you know the ECW Arena, a smaller venue to see wrestling at and to perform at. It just has a certain vibe and feel. It is probably um, in the top three most important arenas and places to perform in all of wrestling history. And think about that. A bingo hall in South Philadelphia is one of the most important 
buildings in the history of pro wrestling. If you asked me right now, you're having a last match, do you want it to be in the garden or do you want it to be in the ECW arena? It's not even a, it's not even a decision for me. Like a, a hard decision. It's so easy, ECW arena. You know, and, and like we talked about the garden, like the garden had that big banner for Hogan. But when, you know, when the night was over, they took that banner down. Like, it's almost like it's, and I know that they do now in the new garden, they have like a little bit of a, um, like a tribute to WrestleMania and a glass case in the hallways of the garden. But you go to the EC, you know, you go, and again, it's, it's always going to be the ECW arena, that, that mural of the ECW in, in, in the men's bathroom. Like <laughs> it's, it's like you go in, it's, it's just got this special feeling and it's by the way, the perfect place to have. An ECW mural is in the men's bathroom at the ECW arena. It's special. It's nostalgic. It's yeah. old school. It's throwback. It's it's all of those things. Everything now is so polished and pretty. The arena is dirty and gritty. You know, you 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 can almost you you can smell the beer that the yes. Sandman drank. You know, you know, the new Jack's blood is probably still on the floor. You know, Devon's DNA is probably all over the place. Who knows? <laughs> Thanks for listening. Catch us Monday through Saturday on Busted Open from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM. Fight Nation Channel 156. The Busted Open Podcast. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.